0: We're not doubters. We're believers. Hallelujah. We're Christians. Little Christ. Hallelujah. We think like Him. We talk like Him. We act like Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We imitate You, Father God. Praise You. We can do that because You enabled us. You've equipped us. you provided. you paid for it in full. Thank You, Lord. Thank You. Oh, we thank You for Your presence this morning. We thank You, Lord, for Your precious presence. We thank You for the Holy Spirit being here to guide and lead us into all truth, to show us things to come, and to bring to remembrance those things that we've been taught and learned and heard in the past. We give You place this morning, Father. We give You place right here to have Your way. And we decree that Your will be done in this service today, Father. That Your Word goes forth in power and in might. I thank You that You speak through me and to me. And I thank You that You meet every one of these needs that are represented here this morning. Only You can do that, Lord. Only You can do that. So I thank You and praise You for meeting all the needs in this place today. We thank You and praise You, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Peter, Brother Sean. Great to be entered into the presence of God through praise and worship. Amen. Amen. Great, great songs we sang this morning. Well, I'm so glad you came out this morning. I'm so glad you're here. God's got a good Word for you this morning. He's got a good plan and purpose for your lives. you believe that? Amen. Amen. I'm excited because I've prepared for this lesson for a while now. I'm going to continue on the disciplines of faith. And we're on discipline number five this week. So, uh, you'd say, well, Pastor Chris, why are we continuing to talk about disciplines? And I don't like that word discipline. I can tell you I didn't like that word discipline when I was younger either. It didn't create a warm and fuzzy feeling in my life when... When I heard I was going to be disciplined. But we're not talking about that kind of discipline. We're talking about a good discipline. We're talking about, you know, our faith. And that is so important as us as believers. And, you know what, sometimes. We're not seeing things happen in our lives, or we're not seeing the results that we know, that we see in the Word of God, that we see in other people's lives, and we're so quick to blame God, or, and then we're quick to just, oh man, that just doesn't work for me, and, and that must not just be God's will for my life. And that's what these disciplines are. They're for your good. They're for our good. They're to tweak us and turn us when we're out of, when we're out of a degree or two. And I said before that Paul calls them in Romans 4.12, the steps of faith. I, I labeled them the disciplines of faith. But, and then as I started teaching, the Lord said they're indicators of our faith. They're gauges of our faith. And just like we have gauges in our automobiles and every piece of equipment that I own, trucks and equipment, they all have gauges to tell us when things are going smoothly and running operating properly. But they also tell us when things are about to break. And they're telling us when, hey... I'm giving you a warning, you need to get some more gas put in the car. You need to check your oil or the the coolant's overheating. And I don't know about you, but if you continue to go on when those indicators or those gauges are saying that something's not right in your life, then you can head into trouble, right? There can be a breakdown. Well, we understand that with automobiles. We understand that with equipment. But God's saying to you and to I that these disciplines of faith are indicators or gauges of how we can look at our lives and see for we know God's will his word is his will right we know that so when things aren't operating and functioning the way we see and know that they should then we can look at our lives instead of pointing the finger at God or just actually giving up and saying well that not that must not just be for me we can look at these disciplines of faith and say wow you know what I can see that now I just need to tweak myself I need to uh, just get myself back in line with what God's plan and purpose is for my life. But just real quick, we'll go through the first four. I'm not going to go into them in depth. But you can go and get these uh, um, tapes and CDs at the information center, and it won't be long before it'll be out in a book. Okay, so I'm going to I'm writing a book about these disciplines of faith. Discipline step uh, uh, discipline number one. Step number one was to put God's word first place. Okay. Put God's Word first place. For without discipline or step number one, you won't know what any of the other disciplines or steps are. Because in God's Word is where you'll find all the other disciplines and steps. For apart from God's Word, it's going to be very difficult for you to walk by faith. It's going to be very difficult for you to obtain everything that God has planned and purposed for your lives apart from God's Word. Okay, So that was discipline step number one. Discipline step or gauge indicator number two was to acknowledge Him in all our ways. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will set your course straight. Light your path so your feet do not stumble. We all want our path lit. We all want not to stumble. We want to be guided and led into all truth. He's saying, "Acknowledge me in all your ways." We well, said that step or discipline indicator number two could just be prayer—that you just pray to God, okay? And I, I said to you before, and I'll say it again, and because I hope it's resounding inside you, that I don't go into a meeting. I didn't come in here this morning. I don't return a phone call, and I don't meet with anyone without first acknowledging God, because I don't know what the problems, how to solve them, but He does. I don't know what that person needs, but He does. And He's given us the Holy Spirit and all it takes is for us to acknowledge Him. So many times we press through and do it in our own effort and do it in our own ability and then we wonder why things aren't going right. It's something as simple as acknowledging Him in all our ways. We could call that prayer. Step discipline number three or indicator number three was is to walk in love. Stay in love. So important because our faith operates by love. So you can do number one. You can put God's Word first place. You can acknowledge Him in all your ways. And then if you're not walking in love, which is a biggie. Jesus preached about it all the time to the boys. Then things won't be operating correctly. Things won't be operating to the degree that we see and know that they should. You have to stay in love. We're not going to go into that one. You can go back and get that one. You can read book of John. Loving your neighbors as you love yourself. That's anyone that's next to you. That's not the neighbors living right around your house. That's in the person standing next to you in Walmart. That's the person that's sitting beside you in a restaurant. That's your neighbor. we be walking in love. Okay, step discipline indicator number four, which we stayed on for a while, was to watch this mouth. Remember, that was a biggie. That's why we stayed on it for so long. Because watching this mouth is a is one of the major... Traps of our faith. And we saw that in Micah, uh, the book of Micah. I can't recall the exact verse right now. I think it's 4 1 that says to to watch our mouths are like traps, that they trap us by just speaking idle words, speaking words that are contrary to the word of God. So, watching over your mouth, watching what's coming out of your mouth. For out of the abundance of the heart, the what? Mouth speaks. So, we can look at our lives and and say, watch your mouth. How do you watch your mouth, Pastor Chris? By the results that are in your life. By the outcome of what's happening in your life. If I'm speaking negatively, I'm speaking something contrary to the Word of God, I'm speaking like the world speaks, then I'm going to have those results. But if I'm speaking God's Word and His Word only, and I'm walking in love, I'm acknowledging Him in all my ways, and I'm doing it according to His Word, then I shall have whatsoever I... Well, that's what we all want, right? That's what we want. So, we're going to move on. Step discipline number five is what are you looking at? What are you looking at? What are you looking at today? Are you looking at Pastor Chris or what? <laughs> Have you ever had this happen to you guys? That you put your sunglasses up, tuck them up in there, your hair, you know, and then you can't find them. And you're looking all over the place. I blame my kids. What would you do with my sunglasses? I blame Jerry and yell at her, What did you do? Where'd you put my sunglasses? And they laugh at me. <laughs> you might be your reading glasses, and they're all right up there the whole time. they're right there. Our answer is right there the whole time, and I'm saying to you today that's a silly illustration, but I've had it happen a couple of times in my life, and uh the answer was there the whole time. I'm looking, I'm actually getting upset, and here the answer was right up on top, stuck inside my hair. You know, and, uh, and I would say to you this morning, I don't know what problems you have this morning or how you come in here, what you're in need of, but your answer, if you have the Word of God, discipline, step number one, in front of you, that is your answer. It's that close to you. It's right here. Amen? Okay? So, uh, sometimes our answer is right there in front of us, right beside us, in us, and we don't ever even see it. What are we looking at? We've heard that expression before. How about this? What are you looking at, honey? Or what are you looking at? Ah, nothing. Ah, nothing. That's our response, right? Ah, nothing. And I would say to you today that it's never ah, nothing. If you've got your eyes open and you're able to see, and your eyes do see, you're always focusing and looking at something. Now, it might be something that you're not really giving a whole lot of attention to, but I'm saying to you, watch what you're looking at. Watch what you're observing, what you're focusing on because those things are a gate into your life and they will eventually sink down into here and we don't have to talk about it a whole lot to, to know people around us and maybe it's even us that are not looking at the Word of God, not looking at things that they should and they've taken seed and they've gotten planted down in here and then it, it won't be long before that comes out of their mouth and then they're seeing things not being accomplished the way God says that they should be. So, it's so important. We're never not just looking at nothing. Okay? So, knowing that, what have you allowed your eyes to rest on? Okay? What have you allowed your eyes to rest on and what are your eyes focused on? How do you see things? How do you see things? What we're talking about today is disciplines of faith. So, we're not referring, guys, to these natural eyes. I got blue eyes. I see brown eyes out there. Green eyes. Pretty eyes. We got eyes. Now, I'm not talking about these natural eyes. We're talking about faith this morning. We're talking about disciplines of faith. So we're not referring to natural things today. We'll be talking about them. But what we're talking about today is our spiritual eyes. Okay? You use your natural eyes to see natural things. I see the door. I see the lights. I see the lamp. I see you. I use my spiritual eyes To see spiritual things. Big difference. The world won't agree with this, but you know it to be true. I know it to be true. We have spiritual eyes. And I use my spiritual eyes to see things of faith. I use my natural eyes to see natural things. So important that you see that there is a difference. Spiritual things require faith. So if I can see it with these natural eyes, like I look back here and see the clock, look back here and see blonde hair, then I don't need faith to see that, right? Right? Come on, Uh, that's simple, but I want to just create a foundation. Our foundation scripture for this whole series is 1 John 5, 4. Anybody remember what that is? All right, I don't have time to wait on you. (laughs) Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith is the victory that overcomes the world. Man, you ought to underline that Scripture. You ought to highlight it. You ought to fold the page back over. Make an index card. Put that on a dasher card. Stick it across from the toilet on the bathroom. Our faith is a victory that overcomes the world. You want to keep that in front of you. You want to keep your eyes focused on that because, listen guys, our faith, which is actually God's faith, right? Romans 12.3 says, He's given unto every man the measure of faith. So you have right inside you right now all the faith you'll ever need to overcome anything that this life has to throw at you. Isn't that good news? That's good news. That's the gospel. So whatever's coming against you, whatever's coming against your family, whatever's coming against you personally, our faith is the victory that can overcome those things. That's good news, right? Nobody said amen. I have a hard time. You just talk back to me on that. So no matter what you and I need to overcome in this world, we can do it by faith. What's the Bible tell us? We're to walk by faith and not by what? Well, how is that, Pastor Chris? That's 2 Corinthians 5, 7. That's crazy, Pastor Chris. Why did God give us two eyes to see if He didn't want us to live by them? And we, we go by what we see. I mean, I, I have to be able to see to get out of this room if it's dark. I'm here to tell you guys this morning, we're talking about spiritual things. God never intended for us to live by what we see or any of our senses. I'm talking about live by them. Meaning He, didn't, he never meant for us to live by... i got to turn that thing off. Uh, never meant for us to live by what we smell, what we see. It's the other one? Oh, you're putting scriptures up on there? Okay, that's fine. I didn't see them up on there. Okay, I'm sorry. So, because what we see, guys, in the natural is subject to change. It's always changing. So if we put our faith in that, and we're not to walk by faith but by, and we're not to walk by sight but by faith. So if I'm walking by the things that I see, and they're changing all the time, then that means I would be subject to change, and I'd be tossed to and fro, as James says. Unstable in all my ways, because one day it looks like this. It's beautiful today. Tomorrow it could be snow, and it's still March. Blasphemy, Pastor Chris. Blasphemy. <laughs> so, so, but I'm saying change is constantly. It's, it's, nice right now. It's gonna maybe it's 68 right now, and in a couple hours it might be 80. If there, things are constantly changing, we're changing. Okay, so it's so important for us that we're not to be living by what we see but by faith. Let's turn to John chapter 14. Give you a couple uh, instances of these. John 14 verse 7. Now we're talking about a couple of disciples. Okay? Now these are the boys that walked with Jesus. He called them out of their lifestyle and said, I want to teach you. I want to mentor you. I want to show you. And here's the struggle that the boys that walked with Jesus had. Okay? First one is Philip, John 14, verse 7. And this is Jesus speaking to Philip. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. He's questioning, show us the father, show us the father. And this is Jesus' response to him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father and it is sufficient for us. This is Jesus' response to that. Have I not been with you so long? And yet you do not know me, Philip. He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. So he was reprimanding Philip. Because Philip said, show us the Father. And his answer the whole time was right there in front of him. And your answer, my answer, is right inside of us. It's no longer beside us, it's inside us. And no longer beside us, it's inside us. Okay? He said, show us the Father. Our response, you know, people, this is a good example of your and my life, guys. People would say to you, you can't think like Jesus. You can't talk like Jesus. You can't act like Jesus. Therefore, you can't have the same results as Jesus. Jesus told us the works that I do, you're to, you should do these works and greater works than these. And we allow the outside world, we look at them and we allow them to dictate to us who we are. And really, our response should be to the world the same as Jesus' response was to Philip. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've been with Pastor Chris, you've been with the Father. Now people would say, "Wow, man, that's pretty heavy. That's pretty strong." I didn't believe that when I first started saying it, but I believe it now. Okay, greater is He. It's not. It's no. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in and through me. Okay, when we allow the Holy Spirit to work through us, the same as He worked through the Lord Jesus Christ, as we allow ourselves to think like Him, only. Think like the things that he would think about. Only say the things he would say. Only do the things he would do. That is the righteousness of God, guys, in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.20 He who knew no sin became sin so that you and I could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are in right standing. We can think right, talk right, and act right. How would we be able to know to think, talk, and act right? Except apart from discipline. Step number one. Putting God's Word first place. Amen? Amen. Let's look at another one of the disciples. How about Thomas? What do we know him as? Doubting Thomas. Thomas. And isn't that crazy? You guys all remember that. (laughs) You remember that. Doubting Thomas. And we're quick to remember all the negative things. And, And I do too. I remembered him as Doubting Thomas. That's why I even asked you. But why did he doubt? What was he doubting? Let's look at it. And, and, and it's so important, guys, that's John chapter 20. I want you to be able to relate to this, because if you can't relate to it, then what good is us looking into this? And it won't be uh, applicable to your life. If if I can apply this to my life, if I see Philip, you know, he was questioned and show us the father. I need to see the father, Jesus. And he's saying, if you've seen me. So what that's saying is, is because Jesus became the word, guys, is if I look at this, I can see the father because Jesus, the word became flesh. So if I'm saying I don't hear from God and he never speaks to me and and I, I, I don't know how to even hear him. And I would say to you, we'll get into the word of God, because if you've seen the Bible, if you've seen his word, you've seen him. So John chapter 20, this is doubting Thomas and verse 24 it says, Now Thomas called the twin. One of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. And this is talking when Jesus was resurrected from the grave. And now is coming back to show himself to the boys. And the other disciples therefore said to him, We've seen the Lord. So he said to them, Unless I see his hands and the print of the nails, and I put my finger into the print of the nails, and I put my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's doubting Thomas. It didn't say that he... Cannot believe, he said, I will not believe. Verse 26. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace to you. How's that happen? How's that happen? The doors are shut, and he gets in there. He said to Thomas, Reach your finger here, Thomas. Look at my hands. And reach your hand in here into his side and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving. But believing, another version says, do not be faithless, but faithful, believing in faith. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God, like he just got it. Jesus said to him, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That would be you and I. But how about all of those people outside this church building that don't come here on a Saturday night, Sunday morning at nine or eleven and they're saying, I don't believe. I can't believe. Okay? i got to see it. I hear what you're saying, but I don't believe it. We can't be a doubting Thomas, guys. We're not called to be a doubting Thomas. We're, we're believers. That's why I shared in the opening prayer there. We're believers. We believe this. We believe that God is who He said He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek after Him. So how's faith come then? We're talking about Thomas. We're talking about Philip. How's faith come? This isn't a trick question. By hearing. by hearing. What verse is that? Romans 10, 17, right? Romans ten seventeen. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by... Well, I heard that. I heard that last week, Pastor Chris. <laughs> I heard that. I don't need to be there today. No, it says faith cometh by hearing. It's a process. Hearing it over and over and over and over and over. I don't know about you... But when I hear one when I hear something one time, very unlikely that that thing's going to set down inside here. Okay, not to say that it wouldn't, but you know, when I'm trying to remember names, I have to repeat them like six times myself. I'll walk away from you and say, "That was Louie. That was Louie. That was Louie. That was Louie. That was Louie." That's all I remember faith coming by hearing, hearing by the word of (laughs) God. You might be able to remember names the first time. I I'm I'm working and getting better at that. So how's faith come? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We also see from the Bible that faith is what pleases God. And we want to please our Heavenly Father, right? Hebrews 11, 6. So for us to develop the faith that we already have, according to Romans 12, 3, you already have the faith. So that's what these disciplines are about is de- developing that faith. So many Christians say, well, I wish I had more faith. Now, I wish I could obtain... I wish I had the faith of so-and-so. Pastor John, I wish I had the faith of... A Kenneth Hagin or something. And I'm saying to you guys that God placed inside of you, according to Romans 12:3, all the faith you'll ever need to do whatever He's called you to do and to be. You don't need more faith. You just need to develop that faith. So how many times have you heard that seeing is believing? We've all heard that, right? Especially from the outside world. No, it's not. No, it's not. Seeing is not believing. Example. I don't have to see it to believe it. I'm sure there's women in here today. There might be men wearing cologne, women wearing perfume. I don't have to see it, but I can recognize it and I know it's here, right? I don't have to see it to believe it. I smell it. (laughs) How about the wind? I don't have to see it. I don't even have to see the trees ruffle or the leaves ruffle. I can feel it. And I know it's... I don't have to see it, but I know it's there. Seeing is not believing. So important. Because... This is a big indicator or a, a, a big gauge on the dashboard that a lot of Christians fall into the trap. Is I got to see it first. I, I went and got prayed for, and I still got that mark on me, and I still, I still, my hip's still out of place. No, seeing is not believing. Faith is believing that you received when you were prayed for, believing you received when you asked for it. Okay, if you have, if you're waiting to see it, guys. <laughs> It's going to be a long wait. Okay, I'll prove it. Would you believe if you saw a miracle? How about if a miracle happened this morning? Right here, right up in front of all of you. Would you believe? Be quick. Don't be so quick to answer. Be careful how you answer that. Would your faith increase if you saw a miracle happen right up here? Would your faith increase? Remember the disciples and the people of Jesus' day? They saw miracles every day. It said if we wrote it down in the book, in the Bible, that the world cannot contain all the books. And yet they didn't believe. They saw miracles. They saw Jesus doing miracles, raising people up from dead. And they were more concerned because it happened on a day when they said it shouldn't happen than the miracle that He said, if you've seen me, you've seen them. That God showed up here on this earth and, and did His will and, and they hung Him on a cross. They did not believe. So, I would say to you that a lot of times we don't believe just because we see a miracle. Okay? How about this? How about the the disciples and Jesus walking on the water? We're going to look at that right now. And how about Peter walking on the water? Did their faith increase? No, Jesus reprimanded them, remember? Let's look at that right now. Matthew chapter 14. The reason I'm saying this to you and the reason why we're going there is, is because, I, you know, uh, we don't want to be moved by what we see. And this is a biggie. We want to be moved by the Word of God and come hell or high water, which that's the, that's the emphasis of this little illustration, hell or high water, there was a storm. I'm going to stand and believe on the Word of God. Okay? Faith doesn't come by miracles. Faith doesn't come because I see a miracle. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22. Verse 22. It says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. So here we go. Jesus said, Get in the boat, boys. Go over to the other side and I'll catch up with you. And he, He stayed back to send the multitudes away. So this is where we're at. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now the boys were crossing the water. Now when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea. And uh-oh, we're tossed by waves, for the wind was contrary. When it says the wind was contrary, that sounds like a storm to me. And maybe something in your life right now, today, is contrary to the Word of God. Okay, maybe there's a storm brewing in your life or it's already brewing. Maybe you're already out in the middle of that lake and your boat's going up and down and up and down. Don't forget, though, verse 22 there where it says Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side. He gave them the word. Now, in verse 25, it says, now in the fourth watch of the night, which is in the middle of the morning, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea in that storm. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. You could say they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, boys, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Now remember, nobody said anything about the storm being settled there. There's still a storm brewing out there. In fact, it was stormy. And then they saw this figure walking up and down through the waves coming towards them. That's pretty (laughs) freaky, right? (laughs) It's like, whoa. And and he says, be of good cheer. And then they knew that that was the Lord. But here's Peter. You know, I love Peter. I I would consider myself more leaning towards a Peter. Like, let's just go for it. Gun-ho kind of guy. And he says, Lord... If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Now, the storm's still taking place. The the boat's being rocked back and forth. And Jesus said, come. God, His Word. Discipline, step number one. Actually, step discipline number two happened in that too. He heard from God. He acknowledged Him in all His ways. Lord, will you bid me come to you? Step discipline number three, walking in love. I don't know if Peter was walking in love or not. He just wanted to get out to Jesus. (laughs) So, in verse 30 says, But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. How in the world did Peter get out of the boat in the first place? How did he? He had his eyes focused on Jesus. He had a word from Jesus. And he acted on that word. But then, he got caught up in his surroundings. What are you looking at? What are your eyes on? What are you focused on? And this is what happened. He began to sink. And immediately, Jesus stretched out His hand, faithful Jesus, and caught Him and said to Him, "Oh, you little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And then those who were in the boat came and watched Him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Amen. But you know what? the, the point I want to make there is, is that Peter got out of the boat and started walking in the same circumstances, in the same boisterous storm, as when he was walking and he began to sink. What was the difference? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He took his eyes off of... We said Jesus is the living Word. He took his eyes off the Word. Have you got your Word from God pertaining to your situation, whatever you're going through today? Whatever's taking place in your life or in your family's life, have you got your Word from God? That's where you start. Discipline step number one. Discipline step number two is acknowledge Him. Have you said, God... Is this the time that I should act on this? Is this the time I should go get prayed for, have hands laid on me? So important for you to do it in his timing and not our timing. Have you got your word from God? Hebrews twelve two says that he is the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. That's one of my favorite verses because listen, he authored this thing. What thing? It says in Romans 12:3, He's given unto every person the measure of faith. He authored my faith. He's perfecting me right now. He's perfecting you being in this class on a Thursday morning. And you know what? He is faithful to finish it. He will finish it. It's not about you and I. It's about you and I believing in what He's already done. We sung that today. He already did it all, right? He did it all. He conquered the grave. If he conquered the grave and all hell and the devil and all his cohorts and death, what is left for him to conquer? Nothing. And what's the Bible says? That we're seated with him in heavenly places right beside him. So what's your perspective? What are you looking at? Are you looking at it through the eye, your natural eyes? Or are you looking at it through the eyes of what God's Word says about you and I? So important that you and I never take our eyes off of Lord Jesus that 's god 's will, His will is Jesus. if you want to see god 's will, look to Jesus. He is the exact representation of God Almighty. Now how do you see Jesus by getting into his word? So easy, but we don 't do it that way. Listen, this world will throw every hurdle at you it can and then some, but God says we 're not to be moved by what we see. that requires some faith, right? that requires some discipline that 's why we 're talking about this i 'm going to give you a few. Instances. I I pray that these will minister to you because some of you might be going through them right now. Four people in the Bible that were either moved by what they saw or they were moved by the Word of God. One was David. Now, when I'm talking about David here, we're talking about a little boy. So listen, guys, and I know you know this, but if you read the Bible and you listen to the stories in the Bible, we've all heard about David since we were in Sunday school when we were little kids. But if you're just listening to that and you can't, See how you fit into that picture or see how that could apply to you. It's all for naught. That's in there for you. This story that we're going to talk about this morning pertains and goes right along with exactly what we're talking about discipline number five is what are you looking at? But here's where we're at. David's brothers were all out there, you know, on the front line, okay, and they're fighting against, you know, some kind of alakites, Malachites, some kind ofites, and they had a big giant with them, Goliath, okay? <laughs> Okay, David's tending the sheep, and his dad says to him, "I want you to go out. I want you to get bring back word of how your brothers are doing, how my sons are doing, and and take some food out to them." So David, not knowing anything that's going on, he's tending sheep. He's the youngest. He goes out to the front line, finds out where his brothers are, and this is what it, this is what took place. Now I'm going to just do an illustration with you. It'd be like me coming and. I can't get in over there, but I'm coming. Let me sit here right with you guys. All right? Let's make it real real here, okay? These are my brothers here, okay? I sit down. Dad wanted me to bring you some food, okay? And he wanted to see how you guys were doing. What's going on here, okay? And, he's, and they're like sitting there with their spears and looking up here, okay, at the big giant. And he's like, what's happening? And they're like, this guy wants to take us on. Nobody wants to step up. And what are you doing here, you pesky little varmint? You know, you, know, you know how brothers talk to brothers. And and he's like, so the Goliath is up there and he's blaspheming God's people, okay? And David says, wait, what do I hear? What, what, what's this guy saying? And he says, come before me and who will come out against me today? And And David, little boy, So don't think of age anything. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine who is defiling the Lord's army or is speaking against God's word? So I'm saying to you guys today, you might be in that exact position in the world. You might have friends and family. I've been there that are saying God's word, you know. You're not going to go to the doctor or you're going to go to the doctor and you're not going to, you know, and we're not talking about not going to doctors, but we're talking about either believing God's word or having the word of the world. And he said, who is this guy and who is he defiling and what did he do? He says, that should not be so. And he stood up a little boy, took his little rocks, flung it up, charged that giant. He didn't stay there and take out a slingshot. He ran towards that giant says, you will not speak against God and my family and the family of God that way. And what did he do? He took down that giant. Well, what's the giant in your life today? Are you looking at it like my sister's right here? Are you looking at it like I ain't moving out of this position? And you know what? Go ahead, fool. Go ahead. You want to think you can take that guy? Go ahead. But who do you think you are coming here? And, and why don't you go back home and tend the sheep? And that might be the response that you you're getting today. But David acted upon the Word of God. And how did, he, how did that take place? How did, how did David get that faith? How did he, was he encouraged to step up in unrealistic you know, circumstances? A little boy, big giant, armies there, a bunch of cowards sitting behind the front line. How did he get that faith? I'll tell you how he got it. By sitting out there night after night after night after night with those sheep. <laughs> What do you do out there every night with sheep, you know? I just picture him sitting up against a tree like the picture show with a staff behind him. a sheep are fall out there in the field eating stars out there. David conversed with God. We know that he did that because, step discipline number two, he did that because of the Psalms that he wrote. And you're sitting out there underneath that tree for so long and you're like counting the sheep, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, ba ba you know, and look up at the stars. And and when you look at the stars, and we're going to look at this a little bit later, and you see, wow, I wonder who created them. Man, it's beautiful out tonight. And, and, And it says that there's lines that came against the sheep. And who took care of them? Who took care of them? Through God actually took care of them through David. Okay, And so important because David can't do anything without God. Because how, how, how do you take out on a lion? How do you take on a bear? And see, all those things happened out there, okay? And in that field out there watching sheep, and we think, oh, David, a little shepherd boy. No, the whole time his faith is being developed in the God that he serves. Right? Amen. He was separated, but just a reliance. He conversed with God. And it's so important for you and I to be in that same position. We want to converse with all the specialists and all the accountants and all the doctors and all those things without when bypassing the one with all the answers. And he was only able to take on that giant, guys, is because he had a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, with God. And, and God had always come through with him. He was faithful. If he was faithful with David with the lion, he was faithful with the bear, which were things that no man can take care of by himself out in the wild, then who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Who is this bad report? And who is he to defile me? I'm a son of God. So that was one instance. That was one story. Next one would be this is kind of the same thing Joshua and Caleb. You all know that story. Here we go again. Come back here with you guys. I can't fit in there, so. All right, God gave him his word, okay? He said, I'm going to take you to the promised land. And here's where we're at. He says to Joshua and Caleb and 12, each one from the tribes, I want you to go spy out the land that I've already given you, and I want you to bring back a report to the people. So, God had brought them through the Red Sea, took them through the desert, supplied all their needs, told them what he was taking them into, and this is where we're at. We get 12 pastors. There's 12 pastors. They really were pastors. They come back preaching what they saw. And that's what pastors do. They saw the word. Okay, so 12 of them go out and they're looking through the brush. Okay, picture yourself looking through the brush and they look into the promised land. And they see, wow, look at the size of those grapes. Look at those walls and look at those mansions. And then all of a sudden they've seen the people that were behind the walls. And 12, you know, 10 of them are like, whoa, they hurried up. The brush went right back in. They scrambled and took back on. Caleb and Joshua looked out through that same brush to the same people, to the same circumstances, and they brought back another report. So, I get back here to the people. The people are like, what's it like? What's it like? Are we going to be able to do it? Are we able to go in right now? Ten of the pastors preaching to them said, we're not able to go in. In our eyes and in their eyes, we're but grasshoppers. You might be there today. This is to stir you up. You might be thinking, this is, this is unrealistic expectation that I, I, I'm going to be able to overcome this debt. Or I have so many problems in my life. My family's a wreck or whatever it may be. Health issues. I'm here to tell you, if you go with Joshua and Caleb, they come back with a, a different report. They come back with a report saying, we are well able to take those people. Well, where would that come from? Why did two come back with that report and ten come back? They both saw the same thing. Just as what David saw with his spiritual eyes that God was faithful to perform, Joshua and Caleb saw the same thing. They already got their word from God. They acknowledged him. They said, can we go in at this time? And they didn't move without God. They moved with God. Discipline number two. And the other ten were like, we can't go in there. We'll never be able to take it. That would stir up fear. That would stir up anxiety. That would stir up, you know, that we're now trapped. And you might feel trapped right now. You might feel like you're in a situation you can't get out of. And I'm telling you that if you get the Word of God, discipline step number one, down on the inside of you, you look through that brush and you see that enemy and it's right there in front of you, you can come back with the same report that we are well able to move forward and take this. Next one. Would be Abraham and Sarah. And you all know that story. They're way up in years, 90 and 100. And you think that they had reason to doubt? You think that they, by looking? (laughs) Come on now, without calling anybody out in this room, but you know. I know that you're all right with this. Say, I proposed to you today. And I said, You want to have a child? Never, we never had child, never had a children, okay. And I'm I'm a hundred, okay.
1: What would that look like,
0: okay? What would that look like? Hey, listen now. We we the same response as she gave. I mean, come on. Do you think it was any different in Abraham's day when he says, "I'm no longer Abram, I'm Abraham." You old fool. You wacko. We'll call you whatever you want us to call you. You ain't have no kids. Look how old you are. Look how old she is. Not you.
1: Not you, buddy. You know I love you.
0: And I believe if you believed, though, you could have a baby if you really wanted to.
1: Alright.
0: But, Abraham... And Sarah had the word of God. But boy, it didn't happen just like that, did it? No, there was a time, there was a long period of time. Don't you think they got discouraged? Don't you have to think that they look could look at other things and the circumstances, hear what people were saying? I hear you old man, but you know, I don't know where you got that word from and, and that might be your circumstance today. But they got the word of God. They did do some things, you know, in that time. But they held on to the word of God and God was faithful to perform it. And that old man and that old lady ended up having children. And you and I are here because of faithful father Abraham. He's the father of our faith. And the last one would be, and I'm going to be able to go into long detail, would be Jesus. What did Jesus see that the boys didn't see? What did Jesus see that the world didn't see? He saw you and I. And they were looking for a king. They were looking for someone to come in in shining armor on a big white horse. And, and when they come to take Him, they were looking for Him to, to just you know take Him down and, and just conquer everything. And, and what, the, what did Jesus do? I mean, He allowed them to take Him. They, he allowed them to crucify Him. But what He saw was He saw you and I on the other end. And man, what that, of all these stories we've talked to, and anyone you pull out of the Bible that the world couldn't see, they're like, well, if you're a king, remember Pilate? If you say you are who you say you are, uh, why are they trying to crucify you? Why are your people trying to put you to death? And Jesus, of all the stories we're talking about, he allowed those things to happen for you and I. He saw on the other end, you and I. And he allowed all those things to take place. He allowed himself. To be killed and crucified. So, what are you looking at? We're going to have to end it here. We'll pick it up here next week. But what are you looking at? you heard the expression, well, that's not the way I see it, Pastor Chris. <laughs> that's not the way I see it. And I've had those same uh, conversations with my wife. We're looking at the same thing. And she'd be saying, well, that's not the way I see it. And I'm saying, well, that's not the way I see it either. <laughs> But we're looking at the same thing. How can that be? How can that be? That we're both looking at the same thing and we're not seeing something different. Okay? You could, two people could see it exactly opposite, looking at the same thing. So i just challenge you this morning, if you can remember those four little stories. First of all, David. You can remember Joshua and Caleb. You can remember Abraham and Sarah. And you can remember Jesus no matter what circumstance you're going in, those stories, those illustrations were put in the Bible for you and I, that we don't look, we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by sight, we're moved by faith. We're faith people, we're believers. And what we believe is the Word of God. And when you get the Word of God, you hold on to it like a dog with a bone. And you hold on to it and you don't let go. And come hell or high water, it might be a storm coming, might be a storm brewing out there, don't you let go. Because God's Word does not return to Him void. And it always accomplishes everything that He set out for it to do. We looked at that last week in God's Word and we looked at that in Isaiah. So, I have to end it there because the next part we're starting uh, goes into something a little bit different. So, you hold on to God's Word. You put it first place. Let's pray. Father, I thank You and praise You for my brothers and sisters that came out today. I thank You, Lord, that You gave them a word, Father, that they'll be able to pertain to their life and to their situations. And I thank You, Lord, we continue to look to You. We don't look to man. We actually don't even look to this church. We look to You, Father. Now we know You're in this church. We know that You're in us. We look to You, the author, the perfecter, and the finisher of our faith. You will finish it in us, Father. And we look to You, for we don't have the answers, but we know that You do. We don't know which way to go, but we know You do. We don't know what to say, what to think, and what to talk about at all times, but You do. So we give You place in our lives, and I thank You and praise You, Father. And expect to hear good reports to come back, Father God, of how You're moving in my brothers' and sisters' lives. We're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by outside circumstances. We're moved by Your Word and Your faithfulness. And we give You all the thanks and the praise. I decree the blessing of God upon my brothers and sisters. I have a great day today and a great week until we're able to meet this weekend or come back next week. And I thank You, Father, for each and every one of them. And I thank You for loving us and caring for us. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks, guys, for coming out today.